Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and follow your soul calling with crystals. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, we're going to be diving into a recent interview that I did with the amazing Alina Hennessy, author of The Healing Guide to Flower Essences. Alina will be sharing a little bit about her journey into flower essences as an artist, as well as what they are, how we can work with them, and just how powerful and transformative they can be. But before we get started, I'd like to answer one of our listener questions. So remember, you can submit your own questions anytime at loveandlightschool.com ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. Today's question comes from Abigail P. And Abigail asks, how often do I need to recharge crystals that I work with every day? Abigail, this is a great question. And in fact, I just got done creating a brand new lesson all about crystal charging for the students in my crystal healing certification program. If you want to learn more about that, you can visit crystalhealerschool.com. But when it comes to charging, I have a slightly different viewpoint than most other crystal workers and crystal educators out there. So quite frequently, we think of charging our crystals like we think of recharging batteries. And in fact, when I was first learning about crystals, this is how I thought about it too, that if we work with our crystals, we deplete their energy and so they need to be recharged. Well, what I have come to find throughout the years, is that this could not be further from the truth. I actually don't think that crystals have kind of a finite reserve of energy that we're drawing from and depleting. Instead, crystals, because they have this perfect stable structure, their energy frequency is actually relatively unchanged, even if we work with them routinely. It's not the same as us who are a different type of living, breathing being where we do get really depleted really easily. Crystals have this more kind of constant stability to them. And so this concept of charging, it does kind of tie in a little bit with cleansing. You know, a lot of the cleansing and charging methods that you hear actually overlap. So for example, you can cleanse your crystals in sunlight and you can charge them in sunlight. You can cleanse your crystals in water and you can charge your crystals in water when you think of charging in terms of like recharging a battery. But my view is a little bit different. I think that crystals start to change a little bit in their effectiveness and how they work with us when they need a good cleansing. So when they get a little cluttered up with outside energies and we just need to kind of reset that energetic frequency, we can cleanse them to get rid of all that extra energetic debris that's kind of cluttering things up. But when it comes to charging, rather than thinking of charging of like recharging the depleted energy of the crystal, I think of crystal charging as really adding an extra kind of custom energy to the crystal. So I think of charging with herbs, 
with specific phases of the moon, with the energy of words or symbols. So almost a little bit like a program, but it's really just adding this additional quality of energy. It's not giving a specific form of guidance or a directive like a program would, but it is instilling this very specific type of energy. So for example, say you are working with a snowflake obsidian crystal that you wanted to connect with to help you with release. Well, you might also want to charge that crystal under the energy of a waning moon, which is also connected with release. Or you could charge that crystal in a dish of some dried mugwort, which is commonly used for release. So I think of it as helping your crystals take on this additional quality of energy. So Abigail, I know that's a little different answer than what you were looking for in terms of how often or how frequently you might need to charge your crystals then. It really depends on what you're doing to work with them. If there's a special energy that you want to add, then I say go for it. For example, during our recent full blue moon in Samhain, I charged a few of my blue crystals under the blue moon just for a little added color magic energy. So you can really do this, you know, however it suits you in your spiritual practice, in your healing arts work, whatever makes sense. And Abigail actually had a couple other follow-up questions that I want to touch on really quickly here. Um, They asked for the best crystals for healing exhaustion. So there are a couple that I recommend. If you just need something to help you get through the day, we're talking a really super quick fix, kind of a band-aid remedy. Something like carnelian can be helpful because it's really energizing and motivational. But long term, you need to look at the root causes of that exhaustion. There's never just kind of, you know, a, a quick crystal fix for anything that's dealing with the physical body because things are so deeply rooted there when they manifest energetically. So you really need to do a little soul searching, a little exploration, and look at the causes for this exhaustion. Is it chronic fatigue? Is it something that's you know, depleting you emotionally. What's going on kind of when you peel back the layers underneath the surface? Once you find the answer to that question, then you can find some crystals that will help support you in healing whatever's at the core. And then finally, Abigail asks, what is my favorite gem show? Well, Abigail, of course, there is the Tucson Gem Show each and every year, end of January, beginning of February in Tucson, Arizona. It is pretty much the biggest show in the world. It is quite an amazing experience if you've never been. Um, It can be a little overwhelming. I remember, you know, probably up until my third year, I remember still feeling vastly overwhelmed by how spread out the show was, how many different shows within shows there are, and just how many crystals and vendors there are there. Now, sadly, I will not be attending the Tucson Gem Show in 2021 due to COVID, but I would say there can be a huge benefit in going to smaller local shows as well. For example, where I live in Madison, Wisconsin, we have an annual show every year in November, usually just before my birthday, and it is often quite fun to go, even though it's a really small show, it's just inside of 
one of our convention centers here in Madison, it's still a lot of fun. There's a good enough number of vendors that there's still some good variety and selection, and it can be fun to see what you'll come across. And the thing about different gem shows is you honestly never know what you're going to find from show to show, location to location, and year to year. So that can make it kind of an exciting journey each and every time. There's also another local show that I haven't been to for a number of years, but probably one of the last times I went, I found some major scores. So even in a small local gem show, I found an enormous slice of watermelon tourmaline. I mean, it's probably almost two inches across, like two inches wide. And I got such a good price on it and was so, so happy. I also found the most beautiful dioptase cluster. I mean, some really exquisite stuff. So, you know, although the big shows are great and yes, you're bound to find plenty of goodies because there's so much variety and, you know, it's so expansive, don't overlook those small local shows that might be in your area as well because they usually have some great treasures to offer. Well, thank you again, Abigail, so much for your questions. And for those of you listening, if you have a question that you'd like for me to answer for you about crystals, spirituality, or anything else that you're curious about right now, let me know over at loveandlightschool.com slash ask. And now it's time in to dive into our main topic for today healing with flower essences. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to the interview that I did earlier this month with Alina Hennessy. Hello and welcome. Today I am thrilled and super excited to be interviewing the amazing Alina Hennessy. So Alina has released one of the most beautiful books I have read in a long time, The Healing Guide to Flower Essences. I am thrilled to have her here today with me. So Alina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ashley. It's an honor to be here. So flower essences are only part of your journey, and you really combine the beauty and I think... um, soft, gentle energy that flower essences share with us along with some creative expression and art. So I'm wondering if you can tell everyone a little bit about your journey and how you got here today. Sure. Well, I've been an artist and been drawing and painting for as long as I can remember. And I was also a tomboy nature girl. I spent like I grew up in Florida, and so I spent all the time outside in the parks and just riding bikes and fell in love with nature at an early age and just have always been drawn to painting botanicals and animals and and other things. And so I was a commercial artist for a long time and doing well with that and just selling to galleries and catalogs and whatnot. And then I came to a point in my journey where I wanted my art and my purpose in life to have more meaning and to be more connected to the mystery. And so I took, um, I studied at this school here in Asheville about um, 12 years ago. And that's when I learned about herbalism and flower essences and energy healing. And I became a flower essence practitioner. And then a few years ago, my mom and I collaborated and made this oracle deck called Mysteries of Love Oracle about animal totems and flower essences. And the publisher found me and was like, do you want to do a book on flower essences? And I'd already had three books out on painting. And I was like, 
at first I felt too busy to do it, but then she approached me again in the spring. I was like, sure, I'll do it. And so that's how this came about. I love that. And we were just chatting before we started our interview and you actually did the amazing piece of artwork that's behind you right now. And I love that you can kind of see a lot of those influences and elements coming through in your artwork. It's so expressive and um, it's really enjoyable. So uh, we were also chatting a little bit about the artwork in the book and you said it was a collaborative effort with someone quite special. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So my mom has been a fine artist and um, since she can, since college, really, since she was in university, she discovered, and then she raised three kids. And so she kind of put that to a side, but now of course she's like in pretty much retirement. So she has more time to draw and paint. So she moved up to Asheville a few years ago and we collaborated on a few projects, first being the Oracle deck and then the, this book. So my mom painted all, I did everything else, the writing, the design behind um, the subject matter and like some of those like cute, like whimsical illustrations. And she did the main, like more classical uh, il- painted illustrations of all the flowers. So it was another collaboration. It's a, such a beautiful project and it's so exciting to see it come to life. Um, So let's dive into the book a little bit. Obviously, it's all about flower essences. This is something that I've been working with for just about a year now. And my background's actually in botany and horticulture, even though I'm a crystal person now. So I love plants and flower essences were something that really spoke to me. And I think, you know, obviously they did the same for you with your journey into herbalism and flower essences and becoming a practitioner. Um, Can you give those who may be watching or listening who might not have the background, just a brief introduction and understanding of what flower essences are and why we might want to work with them? Sure. I mean, they're amazing. I mean, I find that deep healing happens on the subtle realms, the energetic realms and with our emotions. And that's what flower essences are about. So they're very gentle. Um, There's not any side effects you might experience because it is on an energetic, emotional, spiritual level. So it's a homeopathic sort of, if you want to look at it in terms of put a name on it, it's more homeopathic sort of modality. And they're made with, infused with water, sunlight, and some preservative like apple cider vinegar or brandy. And so they're through the sun or even the moonlight. And it's through that magical intention and the mystery, which we can't, our rational minds like can't fully maybe understand. So we have to more trust the experience with flowers, but I'll tell you the more you work with them and the more you listen to them and observe them, you really begin to receive their messages. And so each flower has a doctrine of signature, so to speak, that addresses certain emotional imbalances or just things that we're dealing with on this earth plane that are very challenging. And the flowers are kind of this magical gift from the universe to offer us support. So just like many listeners and viewers will be familiar with, you know, crystal essences or gem elixirs, flower essences are basically imprinting that vibrational energy from the flower into the water itself. Yes. And then mostly we're taking these internally, but you do give a few other ways to work with them in your book, which... I find fascinating. So what else can we do with flower essences other than just take the drops internally? Yeah. So like anything, when you're working with the magic of plant spirit medicine, 
um, it is an energetic imprint. So you can put it into your lotion, your bath water. Um, and I, I find that being intentional about it and creating a ritual around it, just, they, they like that. They're like, because they're so like, they're, they're into that honoring and that space and like that holding that because of their, because of their intricate beauty and mystery. And so if you can make a whole ritual around that, that can really, you can put it into your oils, you can put it, um, you know, however you'd like. And I personally really like to put it into my bath water <laughs> as part of your bath time ritual. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to ask as a side note, because you are an artist, have you ever incorporated the flower essences like physically into a painting? Like, have you ever no. tried I've done rose water and things like that, like spritzing, but no, and I would love to do that. Um, I, I, yeah, I'll have to try that soon because you're not the only person that's asked me that. And like, I think maybe you're the second person now that heard it twice. I'm like, okay, like I need to try that. <laughs> I was just kind of thinking about that. Like, I wonder how that would kind of guide the creative process if they were incorporated. And I talk about taking like, you know, iris or Indian paintbrush ones that really inspire creativity before painting, before doing art or creating or crafting. So I imagine that would be amazing. Or if you had a certain intention around, around a piece, yeah, it would only help that creative process and help support you. Beautiful. So in your book, you discuss the 38, I believe it is, original flower essences that were created by Dr. Bach. So for those who are like brand new to this, who was Dr. Bach and why were these 38 essences um, kind of selected by him? So he's from England and he was a, a traditional doctor and he kept noticing like, so this was around the 1920s or so in, in the UK. And he kept noticing that as a, as a true healer would, that people were coming in uneasy, dis-ease, okay, dis slash ease. And that it was an emotional, psycho-spiritual condition that was causing these, these uh, afflictions and he was noticing that through his traditional allopathic medicine, it wasn't getting the core of it. And obviously he was a seeker. Obviously he was in tune with something else, empathic. And so he went out into the woods and spent some time alone in the woods. And he discovered that these flowers, these 38 original essences, this is really how the modern, the Western flower essences were discovered. They were used in other more mystical Eastern traditions and even in other, through other saints in Europe in a more just um, simple way, like in a less like, okay, broadcasting it to the Western world and now the whole world. But he was the one that introduced it in terms of this more mass appeal. And he started treating his patients with these essences based on just meditating with them, studying them on their doctrine of signatures on like for example, if you look at bleeding heart, the flower bleeding heart, it literally looks like a heart that's like bleeding down. And so it's for heart healing. It's for loss, for grief, for a breakup. Very effective, by the way. <laughs> and so he would just um, notice that. And then he, so he created these 38 and started treating his patients in a more homeopathic, holistic way. And he, the results were wonderful. And so he had a vision. He had like a message. He followed that. He wasn't sure what it was just like we can with the magic of the universe. Like we get a pull, we're not sure exactly what we're going to find, but we know we have to do it because there's a pull there. And so that's how 
um, they were created. And, and the most popular of his is like the rescue remedy, which you can find in so many health food stores and even give it to your animals and your pets. Um, so, but they're, they're powerful. The, the ones I've worked with a lot of different ones. And I will say that I, there's really something there about the ones that he worked with. Um, they're some of my favorites. So Dr. Bach, I think we can say it would be safe to assume that those 38 essences are going to all be based on European plants because of where right. he lived. So right. what's your opinion about um, in the modern practice, the really recent modern practice of flower essence therapy, working with what we have around us, uh, working with some non-traditional flower essences? Well, you can work with as long as the, the flower is safe and not poisonous, like you can work with any flowers around you. In fact, I recommend that. Um, the flowers that grow around you in your yard, like sit with them, meditate with them. Those are very powerful. And you can look up what they mean, like through my book or, you know, online. But you can also just ask the flower to tell you like what it's there for. And it will often you'll find it's very similar to what maybe a message is. It's also a wonderful practice for trusting your intuition and yourself as your own healer. So absolutely work with the flowers around you and in your area. I mean, um, going on a hike, I, I, we've, I've gone on hikes with um, people before and we've spent all day making our own essences and just listening to them. And what happens when you do that is the whole experience is healing. You know, it starts with that going out on a hike. It starts with you visiting a garden or going outside in your land or wherever. I have land here, so I always say that, like, because I'm looking at my for the forest in front of me right now. But it's like the ones that are blooming around you usually can be very correspondent to the energy, you know. Um, and that's that's same with anything like the moon cycles and the astro astrology. So pay attention to them and always ask permission. You know, if the flower is like, can I use you for this medicine? And sometimes they'll say no, but oftentimes they'll say yes, because they, they, they're happy to provide that. So do you think that what it, we may need actually does really shift seasonally with what is in bloom, like in our location? Obviously, things will bloom according to our climate, but also the specific weather. If you get an early warm spell, you might find that your tulips are up a little bit early, that kind of thing. Do you think that there are certain times a year when we need those medicines more than others? Um, and that's why these flowers present themselves. I mean, obviously we can continue to work with an essence well outside of the time that the flower's blooming. Um, but do you think that there's almost a stronger need for them during those times where the flowers are actively blooming? I do. I mean, I, I think it's about being ultimately about being connected to the earth and the wisdom of the earth and the healing power of nature. So anything that it's an expression of that um, is going to be in alignment. And as well as you mentioned, like following your own intuition. So for me, I just went through a big transition with the loss of my pet and I know exactly which essences work for me. I've been so busy. So I, I bought them and, you know, had them shipped in like, because I have a relationship with them and you also, so the relationship is, I think twofold, the ones around you and then the ones that you experiment with and you'll find an allyship with certain plants and flowers. And so everyone is going to be unique with that way. Like, 
you know, um, for like if you're going through a grief process, like there are many for grief, but there's might be one that's going to be really just energetically imprint you in the right way. And that's the mystery. Um, but always making your own is going to be very healing because it's like that it's going to start the process as soon as you start making them. (laughs) Absolutely. So, okay. I have to say, Alina, one of the things that I love about this book, and again, the name of Alina's book is the healing guide to flower essences, how to use Gaia's magic and medicine for wellness, transformation, and emotional balance. And you can find it literally everywhere books are sold. Um, But what I love about this is you've made it so simple. You have a great introduction to flower essences, um, as well as how to prepare your own. So if you're looking for that step-by-step, definitely check out Alina's book. But then you've broken the essences down. You've kind of grouped them into some of their core purposes. And you have them for things like anxiety, for boundaries, for grounding and healing, for clairvoyance. So many things that I think many of us are looking to connect with or enhance in our lives. And just like we work with crystals, this is another layer of this energetic vibrational medicine that we can incorporate. Um, How did you decide that that's how you wanted to kind of categorize this reference section to the different essences? Well, there are just so many essences, like uh, there are hundreds of them and so many different wonderful makers create them. And so I just felt like these themes of, of what we are seeking to heal as a collective right now, um, like anxiety, like boundaries, like clairvoyance, there's, it just came to me to organize them in that way. And also each one has a unique sort of exp- energetic expression of healing in that category. Um, let's say if it's for grounding, there might be one that's like more about just slowing down and meditating and getting in the present moment. And the other one might be really healing more of a traumatic experience, but it's still going to be about balancing and grounding. So it just sort of came to me that they needed an organization and that these are the themes that are really alive and important for everyone right now. So perfect. And if you want to learn more about Alina, you can visit her website at alinahennessy.com. And you can also find her on Instagram at Alina Hennessy. So Alina, can you just tell everyone a little bit more about how they can stay connected with you and find out everything about what you have coming up in terms of books, blogs, online courses, retreats? Thank you. Yeah. So Um, If you sign up for my newsletter, my newsletter, my website, you can um, get the updates. But I have my online course, A Year of Painting, which is like my most popular one. People love to join that. And that's open for registration now. And that's like we start off the new year with an intentional painting. And it's just a really supportive international group. And then... Um, at some point, I've, I've done international retreats all over that's taken a pause due to this year, but I do have workshops here on my land, and then hopefully the international retreats will um, be opening back up, and I'll do that more selectively because I am just loving being at home right now and working at home, and yeah, just so stay connected with me there and through Instagram, and you'll find me all, all this stuff on my website. <laughs> Amazing. And again, that's alinahennessy.com. Alina, thank you so much for coming on the show today, sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your sweet spirit. Oh, Ashley, it's such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much. 
Wow. It is such a pleasure getting to listen to that interview with Alina again. Um, just such an amazing spirit, such an amazing person to share with and connect with. I hope that you enjoyed that interview and got a lot out of it. And keeping with our theme of flower essences, for this week's Trending This Week segment, I want to share with you some of my most favorite flower essences ever. So there are three companies that I would like to talk a little bit about today in regard to flower essences. The first is Gaia's Wisdom Essences. You can find Gaia's Wisdom at gaiaswisdom.com. And these flower essences are created by Joanne Amea Cohen, someone I so admire and look up to. And the great thing about the Gaia's Wisdom Essences is they don't stop at just flower essences. There are special combinations and blends that I have found to be so, so helpful in my spiritual practice and in my healing practice. So Amea has created um, different collections of essences. She has an Avalon collection, a goddess and God collection, a collection for the high holy days, a moon collection, a collection for trees and womb wellness, and so much more. Amea also has an amazing flower essence practitioner training program that I believe starts again sometime next spring, Um, but she also has a smaller flower essence alchemy class that I just finished um, a couple months ago. I don't remember the exact date, probably late summer, I finished the flower essence alchemy class and I really, really enjoyed it. It was such a great experience. It was all done online, kind of a self-study thing, and it was just really helpful. So if you're looking for a little introduction into flower essences and a great variety of trustworthy pre-made essences, you can visit GaiasWisdom.com. Now, I would be completely remiss if I did not also mention Sister Spinster. So you can find them at sisterspinster.net. And I have to give a big shout out here to the amazing Nicholas Pearson, who turned me on to Sister Spinster in the first place. So thank you, Nicholas. When you visit the Sister Spinster website, it's really cute over on the left-hand side of the site, they have a little button you can click called Potion Shop, and that's where all of their amazing essences are. They have single essences as well as blends. They are super diverse in what they have available. There are some trees, some flowers. Um, It's just a great collection of essences that they have, and they also have some classes available that seem to kind of flow seasonally. And these are usually hosted through Zoom. They have some amazing things to teach and share. And then finally, I have to recommend Chalice Well, the Chalice Well Trust Shop. Um, And the Chalice Well Trust Shop or the Chalice Well Shop can be found at chalicewell.org.uk. And up at the top, there's a little drop down for their essences, and you can click the little essences tab for information about how their essences are created, sort of how the magic happens. And then there's a shop drop down as well, where you can actually order things from the Chalice Well shop, including their essences and sprays. So these are created with beautiful Chalice Well healing waters 
and flowers from the Chalicewell Gardens. Um, I highly recommend the Apple Blossom in particular. It's been one of my absolute favorites for self-love. Um, it's just been a beautiful experience working with that really soft, gentle energy. And again, you can find these at chalicewell.org.uk. Well, that is it for today. I hope that you found a lot of value in today's show. And if you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes to help other folks find the show as well. And you can also subscribe through that link as well so you never miss a future episode. And today I want to give a super special thank you and shout out to Lost the Devotion, who left a five-star rating and a review. And they say, so informative. Love this podcast. Every episode is super informative. The amount of detail, description, and personal attachment experience she puts into each crystal makes me fall in love with each one. Turns out I was already purchasing her high-quality crystals from her online shop, mimosaspirit.com. Well, that is super exciting. I'm so glad that you found the shop. Um, a lot of people just know me for the school, but yes, I do have an amazing crystal shop as well, and we really appreciate your support of our small business. So thank you so much again for taking the time to leave that review. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Connect with us online at loveandlightschool.com or on social at loveandlightschool.com.